Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 13 years, 400 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. The Sports Business Radio Podcast, why should you listen? We're going to help you learn directly from top sports and business executives, athletes turned business people, content creators, and those working in and around the sports world. Whether you work in the sports or business world, you're a student trying to work in sports, or you just want to add overall business skills to your tool belt. We're going to bring you knowledge that you can apply to your life immediately after listening to our podcast each week. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 follow by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Joining me on this week's show is Sam Finn, the co-founder of Ergon Office. They're doing great things with standing desks. And I love the story of Sam Finn, who's a former hockey player turned business person. Also, Keg Leitner a Portland community football club coach. He's got a really interesting, inspiring story that we'll share on our show this week. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how you doing? I'm doing good, and you are fresh off of San Francisco. How'd that go with the SBR Sports PR Summit? Yes, the Sports PR Summit social media workshop. We did that at Twitter headquarters in San Francisco. It was great. Uh, Twitter space is so cool and modern and innovative and... It's right in the heart of downtown San Francisco. So unlike Google and Facebook and some of the other places that are on the outskirts in the Silicon Valley, you can stay right in the heart of San Francisco, which I really like. And our panels were fantastic. Our first panel of the day, it's cool because it was all women on the panel. So you remember that we had Laura Froelich from Twitter on our show recently, and she made that comment that usually when you see all women on a panel, it's a women in sports panel. This was just a panel of powerful senior women executives. And we had Melissa Brenner from the NBA. She's the head of social media for the NBA. Uh, Bonnie Bernstein, longtime journalist, moderated the panel. And Sloan Kelly from the PGA Tour, who oversees social for them. So great way to start the day. I had the pleasure of moderating a really interesting conversation between athletes who talked about their use of social media, how they use it for their brand. Marquette King, the punter for the Oakland Raiders, was on the panel. Richard Jefferson from the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers was on the panel. Uh, it, it was a good panel, but you know, one of the things that I learned is, and I didn't know this term, the clapback. Do you know what clapback no, means? Haven't, haven't okay, so when you are a troll and you reach out to an athlete on social media and you're ripping on them for something, the right. clapback is their response. Oh. And several of these athletes said to me they want to clap back so hard to the troll <laughs> that they want the troll to delete their account. <laughs> right. So it's funny, you know, athletes have – a competitive spirit sure, yeah. and mentality. And when you come at an athlete or any celebrity, anyone with a big following on social media, A, do they want to engage with you? 
And B, if they do, you better be ready that they're going to clap back hard. And hearing that these competitive athletes want to clap back at you so hard they want you to delete your account, <laughs> you better be ready for what's coming. Well, I love, now that we know what clapback is, I love seeing when athletes go back and forth with some clapbacks. Like someone will insult somebody and they'll come back with them and you get a little, you know, quote, Twitter war going on. And, uh, you know, it's fun, but I, that's a good term. Now we know that. I, I didn't, I've never heard that before. Andre Ward, light heavyweight champion of the world, sat down with uh, Rick Buecher for a one-on-one conversation. Really bright guy. I mean, sometimes people associate boxers with, you know, not the brightest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. And well-spoken guy, uh, totally understands his brand, totally understands how social media enhances his brand, especially in a sport like boxing, right? I mean, this isn't Steph Curry or LeBron James with 36 million followers. Right. You've got to use the platforms that are available to you to promote what you're doing outside of the ring. And he certainly does that. You know, the thing I too, I love about your, this, this, you know, the summits you guys do it, that we do is you, it's so diverse. You got, you know, it's not just athletes and not just women. It's not just men. It's, it's journalists, it's athletes, it's, you know, PR guys. And you really get a whole spectrum of the industry with these events because you're getting insight and, you know, from so many different avenues of the sports world, but it's everybody out there. So it's really cool. It's the conversations we never have, right? right so right. we have those conversations at our event. Like, what do you think, athlete, of a PR person? What do you think, athlete, of a journalist? Hey, journalists, what do you think of PR people? Yeah. Like, we're getting the 360-degree view on those stakeholders, what their thoughts are. We're having honest conversations about how we can work more effectively together. But I love the fact that, you know, we're not sitting around speculating on anything. These are the people living it and breathing it. I mean, when when Richard Jefferson's talking about what the Cavs are going through right now, but also the fact that he is reaching out to his PR staff more than they're coming to him at this point in his career. He's in his 17th year. He's got a podcast, the Road Trippin' Podcast with he and Channing Fry. They want the Cavs to use their platforms to promote his podcast. <laughs> he gets it. Yep. Like he understands how that game works. You want something from me? Well, I want something from you. I want you to promote my podcast. These athletes understand that they're brands. They understand if they have a podcast, if they've got relationships with endorsement deals, they've got community things, camps that they're doing. They can utilize their partnership with their league, their team, their sponsors to push that information out. So the the thing that was funny, too, is that Richard Jefferson is not on Twitter. He was the 2016 Snapchatter of the year, but he's not on Twitter himself. His podcast is on Twitter. He's got other business entities that are on Twitter, so he understands Twitter. But the thing I love, too, Griggs, is that Marquette King, Richard Jefferson, Andre Ward, most of the people that came to our event, they didn't just come for their panel and leave. They hung around. They networked. And that's the other thing that's cool about our events is where a lot of events are a thousand people, 1500 people. We have 125 invite only people. So you can walk up to Richard Jefferson. You can walk up to Adam Silver. You can walk up to Jeff Gordon or Lisa Leslie and have a conversation. And that's valuable in this day and age to be able to walk up to someone and gain an insight or network with them face to face for more than, you know, 30 seconds. The cool thing about this event, too, is my daughter was there. So I have a 12 and a half year old daughter. She got to see all of these conversations. I put her to work. I had her doing some some video and <laughs> doing some social media for me. And she did a great job. But one of the cool things is uh, we had a WNBA player there and we had some other athletes and some of them signed the back of their credential 
I didn't ask them to. They just did. And they said, hey, give this to your daughter. And they couldn't have been nicer to her. And, you know, anyone who has kids, the quickest way to my heart is if you're nice to my daughter, like, I'm your best friend. If you do something nice for her, I'll always be your friend. So it was so nice that uh, Twitter let her in because they don't let kids in. And then everyone at the event was so sweet to her, and, and that was greatly appreciated. But if you want to see some pictures from the event, go to sportsprsummit.com, sportsprsummit.com. Follow on Twitter at sportsprsummit. Same handle on Instagram at sportsprsummit. All right, I want to talk about this LeBron James, Kyrie Irving. I'm not even going to call it a feud because Kyrie supposedly has demanded a trade from the Cavs. And it's been all over the news. Griggs, I have a special insight into this because I've been around LeBron. I've been around Kyrie. And I can tell you, and you're starting to see this because, like, there was a video that surfaced over the weekend at Harrison Barnes' wedding of Steph Curry mocking one of LeBron James' workout videos. And Kyrie Irving happened to be at the same wedding, and he kind of joined in. So it's like, here you have a, a teammate of LeBron's, Kyrie, and he's joining the opposition that you've played for the last three years in the NBA Finals, Steph Curry, and they're mocking LeBron James. And you can say what you want about LeBron. He is one of the best players ever. I'm not going to say he's the best because I grew up in the MJ Magic Larry Bird era. I'm not ready to give LeBron the best ever mantle. But... He is certainly in the conversation for, you know, top five, top ten players ever. The problem with LeBron is he comes with so much baggage and drama. And a lot of people don't know it, but it wears on you as a teammate. And I think seeing all of the special considerations that LeBron has been given and everything that's been done for LeBron and his entourage, Kyrie feels like, you know what, I'm done with that. And I'm ready to go have my own team. I'm ready to get out of the shadow of LeBron. And I don't blame him. And if I was on LeBron's team, I would probably want out too. But the bigger story in Cleveland is, boy, Dan Gilbert is going to have a mutiny on his hands quickly. Because as I've been saying on Twitter at SB Radio is LeBron's out of there. He's leaving next summer for free agency. So... You have a choice as the Cavaliers. You can either trade him now, and I know people are, oh my God, you can't trade LeBron. It happened before. We've seen this movie before, Griggs. You didn't trade him. You got nothing for him. So if you know he's leaving next summer, don't you have to get assets for him? Don't you have to trade him? So what I suggested is, is there any scenario where you trade LeBron because he's leaving next summer and you keep Kyrie? And say, Kyrie, all right, this is your team. We got rid of LeBron. We kept you. I'm not saying they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to keep LeBron and they're going to trade Kyrie. But Kyrie Irving's 25 years old. He's not even in the prime of his career yet. He's probably a top 10 guy in the NBA. Don't you want to keep a guy like that on your team? LeBron still has probably three or four or five years left of really high-level basketball. But again, he's leaving next summer. The dirty little secret that isn't so much of a secret anymore is Dan Gilbert and LeBron James do not like each other. Just because they got back together and won a championship does not mean that they like each other. And if you're LeBron, 
the greatest day of your life if you wanted to leave Cleveland was the day that Dan Gilbert didn't retain David Griffin as the GM because now you've got your excuse. You can say, all right, Dan Gilbert, if you would have kept David Griffin, who took us to three finals in a row as the GM, pulled all the right moves to build this roster and put us in a position to compete for championships, if you would have kept that guy, I would have stayed. But you didn't. You go through GMs like most people change their underwear, and I'm out of here because I don't like where basketball operations is headed. That's his excuse. He's got it now. He can leave. And, you know, this whole, I said this at the time, the whole coming home, that was BS. It was BS. I know the people who packaged that, the PR people who sold it, the whole deal was a fraud. The only reason LeBron and Dan Gilbert got back together is because they needed each other, right? Dan Gilbert wanted to win a championship, but even more so than that, he needed his casinos built. He needed his business empire built in downtown Cleveland. He wasn't going to do it without LeBron James. Kyrie Irving at the time didn't have the star power to get that stuff done. LeBron comes home, boom, you're immediately at the top of the NBA conversation again. Franchise value increases. You get all those initiatives pushed through. For LeBron, yes, he had won titles in Miami, but he's an Ohio kid. He wanted to win one in Ohio. Only way he could do that, because there's only one NBA team in Ohio, is go back to Dan Gilbert and Cleveland. So they got back together, much like relationships where... You know, you've dated someone for a while and you're like, well, this didn't work. And then you make excuses as to why you should get back together and you get back together and then you go, why did we get back together? All the same problems from the first time around have resurfaced. We should have never gotten back together. This was a terrible idea. But the reason it wasn't a terrible idea in this case is because they delivered that one championship to Cleveland. They can always say as long as they live, we brought Cleveland an NBA title. Mission accomplished. But now they can move on. And Dan Gilbert isn't willing to have the highest payroll in the NBA anymore. And LeBron James isn't willing to put up with Dan Gilbert anymore. So I can tell you right now, listen to this podcast, and I guess if I'm wrong, you can come back and hammer me for it. But LeBron James will be gone next summer if he's not traded before, if they decide they want to get assets for him. And by the way, how smart does Chauncey Billups look for turning down the head of basketball operations for Cleveland, because who would want to come in and have to dismantle that team? You've got to come in and be the guy to trade Kyrie and potentially trade LeBron. No thanks. That's not being set up for success. That's having your head on the chopping block and everyone in Cleveland is going to be mad at you. But LeBron's gone. Kyrie will probably be traded. Dan Gilbert's going to strip this thing down and pay bare bones. They're going to rebuild with young talent. But he'll be able to say, hey, I delivered that championship to you. And oh, by the way, Dan Gilbert, his casino is still going to be there. They're not going to tear it down because LeBron leaves. So he used LeBron to get all the things he wanted built in downtown Cleveland. Mission accomplished for him. Both of them got what they wanted out of this relationship, but it's over. Coming up next, Sam Finn of Ergen Office, hockey player turned business person. They're going to be a new partner of ours on Sports Business Radio. I love when athletes turn entrepreneur. This is a great story. We've got a good show coming up for you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. 
Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. My guest is Sam Finn. He is the co-founder of Ergon Office. They are a new partner of ours on Sports Business Radio. You can find them online at ergonoffice.com and on Instagram and Twitter at ergonoffice. That's E-R-G-O. N-O-F-I-S. Sam, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Hi, Brian. Well, thanks uh, Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm pretty good. And yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, I love innovative, modern products. I love products that have health behind them. And I also love stories that include athletes transitioning from the athletic space into business. So when I saw your company, I was like, wow, this has all the elements that usually catch my eye. Uh, let's start with your transition from hockey to business. You played hockey. You started this company. Tell us the story behind starting this company. Well, when I play, and I stopped playing hockey, I actually did a few things before launching the company. But I feel like everything slowly brought me to launching Ergon Office. But initially, I started at uh, 21 years old when I finished playing hockey. I launched an online company offering remote personal training. And so that company brought me to realize that my clients were literally willing to kill themselves in the gym and eat super strict diets. But when they got to the office, they were really careless about how they how they sat first, how they, they spent their day at the office. And also, while I was building that company, I myself put my old car tires underneath my, my regular desk. And I ended up standing all day long, which also has its drawbacks. So while I was building that company, that's, I really started focusing more on where I thought I could have a bigger impact, and uh, that was at the office. No, it's just really cool. So you had tires at the bottom of your desk to, to raise your desk up? Exactly. It was super ugly, but it was functional. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew what sitting would do to my health, and I was like, there's no way I, I need to stand up. But actually, it wasn't the best decision either because I ended up having a bit of knee pain. So tell our listeners how you started this company because, in a nutshell, it's a standing desk. But the thing I love about it is idiots like me have a really hard time with technology like this as far as you know getting the desk to go from the normal position to the standing position. And what you have on these desks is this really slick little uh, control panel on the side of the desk. And has settings on it and you can just press the button and it raises the desk to the, the desired height. Exactly. But we, um, we humans are normally super lazy. So things need to be really simple and really user friendly. So when we started working on the, the product, that was really something we, we prioritized. The desk needed to be as simple as possible 
And so we integrated a touchscreen in the desk and it has preset positions. So all you need to do is set your height for sitting and standing once. And after that, once you're ready to alternate, you can simply hit the button and the desk will go to your desired height. And then I know there's studies out there that talk about how much time you should sit per day at your desk versus how much time you should stand and the alternating that takes place. Give our audience uh, an idea of, like, if you're someone who's in the office all day, you're sitting at your desk for long periods of time, what's the ideal time to sit versus stand? Um, we normally look for a ratio of uh, probably one to three, so sitting one and standing three. So that means if you if you sit for an hour, then you, uh, I'm sorry, if you stand for an hour, you probably want to sit for three hours, but you want to alternate quicker than that. So if we, we actually suggest um, you, you sit for, I don't know, for 20 minutes, then you stand for a few minutes, probably 10, 15, then you sit back down. So you really start gradually. And as you get more comfortable, then you can switch to a ratio of one one you stand for half an hour, you sit for half an hour. But it's really important that you don't stay standing for two hours or sitting for two hours. You really want to alternate. So I know there's health benefits to doing that. Tell our listeners what those health benefits are. That's the question I, I get a lot. And I'm not uh, the, um, very scientifical, and people love to hear all about the studies. But I'm uh, fundamentally, I know that sitting for 10, 13 hours a day is not bad for me. I don't need studies to tell me that. I know that my blood flow will slow down, my brain activity will slow down, obviously my uh, calorie burning rate will slow down, my muscle basically shuts off. But um, as you mentioned, there's so many studies on there, uh, on there, the web that you can just Google standing desk benefits and you'll, you'll find tons of research that back the, the productivity benefits, you improve your mood, you increase your life expectancy, you obviously reduce your, your back injury and your cardiovascular uh, risk injuries. Now, we talked about the standing desks. We talked about how easy they are to use. Uh, tell our listeners, I know you have a, a great selection of different options for people. Tell us about those. Yeah, sure. So we, um, when we started working on the product, as I mentioned, we wanted to make sure it was super user-friendly. But we wanted to go above and beyond that and offer a, a standing desk that was really unique. And so we used solid wood tops. And we source only local wood species to minimize the, uh, the negative effect of transport. And so we have a, the maple wood, we have walnut, we have ash, and we have uh, cherry wood. And we also use live veg, which is the, the free-form type of wood, which is really super unique. And we actually just launched a new product uh, with a uh, local wood furniture company. It's called the Swar Wood, and the wood is absolutely amazing. Sam, you guys are based in Canada, but I know that you're expanding into the United States. Uh, tell us a little bit about the growth of the company. The growth has been really uh, better than expected, to be honest with you. We launched officially in September of last year, and things started kicking off uh, right away. And we kind of had a presence in the U.S. through our Canadian website, but we only, I think it was uh, about a month ago, we only recently did the U.S. website that is specifically built with U.S. pricing, uh, U.S. shipping and everything. And I know that uh, you are only available online in the United States, right? It's uh, no retail outlets yet, correct? That's correct, yeah. So, so we... Um, since we worked really hard on product, our costs are quite expensive and the shipping is also expensive. So the fact that we don't have a physical location allows us to the, the price as low as we can, considering that we use uh, local wood, uh, solid wood, sorry. 
Let's go back to talking about your hockey career and your transition from hockey to business. I know your dad played hockey as well. Uh, how does, you know, I, I hear from athletes all the time who are transitioning post career to business that the athlete mentality helps them with business. Have you found that to be the case? It absolutely helps me. And uh, you mentioned my dad. Uh, when I was younger, we always go, used to go on these walks, and we talked about hockey life. And he's also into business for himself. He he transitioned after his hockey career and uh, and launched a business. So we were always talking about these subjects, and we realized that a lot of our characteristics translated very well to the business world. And when we're talking about leadership styles, um, work ethics, and stuff like that, so that so the hockey discipline as well. Um, really, really helped me transition quickly from my hockey career to business. That's cool. And it sounds like your dad has been a good uh, inspiration for you and uh, has that entrepreneurial spirit as well. Yeah, no, he's been an inspiration and he's been uh, my mentor. He's always there whenever I, I have any questions. And uh, it's been like that since I've been four years old and I started uh, playing hockey. So you're in Canada, you're expanding into the United States. What's next for Ergon Office? Um, well, we have a lot of projects, but we're, all, we're always um, working in, uh, on and innovating our product offerings. So we want to make sure we keep working on what we have at the moment. We're still a very young team, so we're, we want to make sure we stay focused. And also the fact that things have been going uh, really well since the launch, we're kind of a little bit behind in terms of our logistics. We we do things that take a lot longer than they should if we really optimize our shipping processes, our production processes. So at the moment, we're really focusing on our current product offering and on our logistics. I know launching a startup is draining. It's a lot of work, a lot of hours. What are you doing to stay healthy besides working at your Ergon office desk? Well, the fact that I launched uh, the company for health reasons, obviously I need to, uh, to keep uh, myself in shape as well because it's a, it's a passion of mine. But it's been honestly quite challenging because uh, obviously with the hockey career, you you have to do it. It's your job. So it, it's fairly easy to, to take the time to eat well and to train. But while I transition, I what I did is, is I, kept, I keep things simple. So I do compound movements only. I make sure that I don't isolate muscle because that's a, a bad return on my time investment. So I keep it simple. I try to go as often as possible to keep the routine in check, and I keep it short, and I crank up the intensity. What about, so I know you're not like a diet expert too, but you know I always tell people like it's great to exercise, but you have to eat right as well. And I know, because I'm an entrepreneur, sometimes you don't have time to make that healthy meal. What do you do to stay healthy as far as the diet's concerned? Do you have like a go-to smoothie that you're drinking or, you know, a go-to meal that you like to have? Uh, not To be honest with you, not really. I try to keep things simple. Like I, in my training, in terms of my food, um, I don't go overcomplicated. Have some nuts, um, lots and lots of salads. They're quick to do. But if I had one advice to give anyone, it would be add more fat to your diet. We... We tend to want to stay away from fat because we think it makes us fat, but it doesn't really. It actually helps a lot of our hormones. So I make sure that I increase my fat intake. Even if I don't have time, I'll be eating some nuts, eating avocados and stuff like that. Anything else that you want to mention to us about Ergon Office? Uh, well, I think we covered most of it. Other than that, we, um, 
we try to source everything local. We plant three trees for every desk we sell. And we, we really want to make sure we offer uh, exceptional customer experiences. It's actually a, a running gag. Like if somebody wants my cell phone number, all they need to do is send an email at their office and tell us, hey, I'm having this issue or that issue. Because I, I make sure that myself personally, I am very, very involved. Because we notice that in the industry, it's kind of uh, lacking behind in terms of the customer you experience when you buy a desk or a piece of furniture. So that's about it. Now, that's true. That's very true. And uh, your customer service is exceptional. So as part of our new partnership, we have a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. If you go to ergonoffice.com, that's E-R-G-O-N-O-F-I-S.com backslash SBR, like Sports Business Radio, and use the promo code SBR10, you'll get 10% off any standing desk. So great deal. Again, you know, I love products that are modern, that are innovative, that have health tied to them, and your product has all of that. So I'm looking forward to working with you guys. Well, thanks, Brian, and uh, it was really great chatting with you. We'll talk to you soon. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This episode of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Ergon Office, who manufacture beautiful, high-quality electronic standing desks. Co-founded by former hockey player Sam Finn, Ergon Office is on a mission to inspire people to live a more active lifestyle because the human body just wasn't meant to be sitting 13 hours a day. When I'm not in the recording studio, I have a home office and I like to alternate standing and sitting throughout the course of the day. If I don't, my back gets sore or it'll lock up. I also get an energy boost every time I stand and work or talk on the phone. Studies have proven alternating between sitting and standing leads to increased productivity and a reduction in muscle disorders like back pain or carpal tunnel, which cost society close to $50 billion annually in lost productivity and medical bills. What I love the most about Ergon Office is that the desks adjust using an embedded touchscreen, allowing you to switch seamlessly between a sitting and standing position in seconds. You can even save your preferred heights for more convenience. Ergon Office's height adjustable desks are available in Canada and the United States. Change how you work and be healthier in the process. Ergon Office has beautiful, high-quality desks with a unique design, and they couldn't be easier to adjust. Their customer service is great, too, so they'll help you find the best desks that work for your needs. I'm a really big fan of this company. Check them out at ergonoffice.com backslash SBR and use the promo code SBR10 to get 10% off any standing desk. That's ergonoffice, E-R-G-O-N-O-F-I-S dot com backslash SBR, promo code SBR10. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at ergonoffice. My guest is Cage Leitner. Cage is the founder and director of coaching for the Portland Community Football Club in Portland, Oregon. The group aims to provide high-quality coaching and level of play for families and youth in Portland who can't afford the high cost of entry for other soccer leagues. Cage, thanks for joining Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate you making the time. Um, so let's start with your role as as soccer coach at Portland Community Football Club. Um, it's a very inclusive club from what I understand. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a club that I started about five years ago, and it was just out of an idea I had from 20-plus years of coaching experience and then also um, a good handful of years of being in social work at that time and just 
uh, recognizing that there was a lot of kids missing um, an opportunity to play just simply based on too much money, too much, you know, resources needed, a lot of travel time, all the, the things that a lot of um, families in low-income communities just simply don't have the resources for all the time. And so I wanted to create an opportunity for um, anyone, really, uh, to come out and play and have it be a good quality program, good coaching. Um, we provide free uniforms for all the kids, uh, cleats if they need them, and, uh, and then, you know, not have it cost uh, upwards to $1,000, $2,000, which sometimes the big uh, competitive clubs can cost that. So it was really just out of an idea of here's something that needs to be done, and I've got some experience, and I'm just going to step in and... Um, so I run the club, and then I also coach um, pretty full-time. I'm going to start scaling back my coaching a little bit to do a little bit more of the business end, but um, that's kind of the basis of it. We, we really just want to get soccer out to kids as, uh, as best as we can, and so far we've been pretty successful. So if you're someone who wants to play in this league or you're a parent who wants to sign your kid up, do you just say, hey, look, here's my situation, here's why I qualify, I want to sign up? How does that work? Yeah, we. I was really intentional when I set this club up to make sure that it's a really en- easy entry point um, for families to come in and not have to do a whole lot of proving to us of why they need a scholarship or why why they need anything from us. Um, so it's a pretty easy process. We have a, a simple registration form. We ask parents if they need financial assistance. We already have really low costs. Um, we have a low-income discount that's already discounted off of our regular season fees and the highest season fee we have at this point for our kind of upper level competitive play is a hundred bucks for a season um and that's pretty reasonable in competitive sports world so we really make it accessible from there and then even on top of that if uh if parents are um, needing more support from us we just simply have a conversation with them you know what can you do can you do a monthly payment great can you do nothing? That's fine. We'll, we'll cover the cost. Um, coming from a background in social work, I saw a lot of families and kids and parents um, really go through an, a tremendous struggle of um, having to prove why they need support and why they need financial assistance for all sorts of things. And I just didn't feel like that was necessary for, for kids to play soccer. You know, your kid wants to play soccer, come out and play. We'll make it possible. No, I think that's great. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity for a, a plug here. What if yep. I'm a sponsor and I say, hey, I love what you're doing. I want to sponsor this league. How does someone contact you? Um, the best way to contact me is um, to just go to our, our webpage, uh, pcfc.co, and there's a contact page there, and that goes directly to me when you email us um, at info at pcfc.co. And um, then we can just have a conversation. And, you know, we haven't yet had a big sponsor step up. We've had uh, Nike, who's been an amazing support. Um, we've gotten a, a few grants through them. Um, we've gotten a lot of product donations. So they've been kind of our our unofficial sponsor. We don't have anything real, you know, set in stone contract with them. But um, if there's a sponsor out there that wants to step up and really help us expand this into more teams, more kids, um, I, you know, I'm happy to hear from them and, and talk about the details of that. Yeah, I almost wonder if you could take this model and replicate it in other cities around the country. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, we've talked about that quite a bit on our board about uh, what it would look like to create essentially a playbook um, that that shows, you know, here's are the steps that we went through. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's replicable and also it has to be specific to the community that you're working within. So it's, you know, it can be put into another city with the right intentions and the right um, look at what are the community needs in that specific area because it's, it's definitely, uh, it's a very grassroots community-based kind of soccer. Um, it's very different from the current status quo of a lot of youth soccer clubs, um, particularly in Portland, where we're not just looking, we're not making this just a business. We're not just looking to bring in money, you know, turn it around and try to produce like the, the state cup champions. We, we would love to do that, but our main goal is um, let's create community, let's build relationships with um, the people within the community that we're, we're serving and uh, let's have soccer be the conduit for that, uh, for those connections. So in March, you revealed to your soccer team that you were transgender. What led you to share this information with them? Uh, it was something that really was a long time coming. I have been very out and uh, outspoken about being trans in a lot of other realms, um, but I had really kind of been hesitant to do it in the, the coaching and sports world for, I think, a lot of reasons that a lot of folks in the sports world maybe understand, but there's a lot of stigma out there still about being gay or lesbian or transgender or, or kind of anything outside of those um, those norms, and it's improving. There's a lot more athletes coming out. There's a lot more coaches coming out, but uh, it's still not quite there, so I wanted to do it a while ago, but just wasn't quite in the, didn't feel like I was in the place to do it with this group. And then um, I went to a conference in Washington, D.C. that was basically social justice through soccer was the basic focus of the conference. And I talked to a lot of other coaches there and other uh, gay coaches who had come out or hadn't come out. And it just kind of, it came to a precipice of like, this this needs to happen. Um, and part of that is also because I really value authenticity. I really value um, the idea of being able to be true and honest about who you are. And if I, if I wasn't sharing that part of myself with the kids that I coach, with the families that I work with, that didn't feel real and honest to me, and, um, and, and that didn't feel right to me. So um, that was a big reason. And then also, um, I certainly didn't expect it to go viral <laughs> and I didn't expect it to go around the globe but uh, as a result of that it's also been a great opportunity for people to see that there's transgender folks there's gender non-conforming folks everywhere we're coaching soccer we're coaching basketball we're working with kids and so I think that visibility part was also a really good um, unintended uh, consequence I guess of, of that as well. You mentioned uh, the moment was captured on video. It was on YouTube. It went viral. It's gotten tens of thousands of views. What's the feedback you've received? And is there any message in particular that has stood out to you that you've received? Um, I've received a lot of messages, um, a, a lot of messages that were of support. I've gotten nothing but positive support from directly locally in the in the community, directly from our kids and our families within the club, um, and then a lot of messages from random strangers uh, from the United States, from around the world, and 
you know, there's been a lot of really great messages directly from a few parents of transgender kids who've said, thank you so much. This is, this is what I need. I need to see that there's a future for my child. I need to see that, um, you know, that they can do what they want to do in the world and be who they want to be. Um, but, you know, honestly, the, the most impactful thing that happened was not from somebody over the Internet. It was from one of our families in the, within the club. Um, they are a family who has been with us for a while, and they own a, and run a little taco truck, uh, like taco food cart, not too far from where I live. And I got a text message one day a few days after the video came out, and it just from one of the moms that said, Cage, we love you. Come get food. (laughs) You know, for any culture where food is the, is the, the center of, of community and building and love and relationship, um, that meant a, that meant a ton to me, right? That's a, that's a statement beyond, uh, anything else. So it's been, that's been the experience that I've had with, um, with the families and it's been really fantastic. That's great. So, I mean, it sounds like, and, you know, you look in sports and you see Jason Collins and Michael Sam and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it seems like we're getting to a point where people are more accepting and more welcoming. And it sounds like that's the feedback you're getting. So that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. It is. It is really encouraging. And, and honestly, I didn't really um, expect it to be so positive. Um, I got a little nervous when it first, you know, when this thing hit the, hit the internet and I recognized it was really going to go far and wide, I, all of a sudden I was like, uh oh, uh, I don't really know what I've gotten myself into. I, you know, being an out trans person on the internet, who knows what could happen, but it's really been unbelievable and it gives me a lot more faith and a lot more hope in where our society in the United States and I think globally is is moving towards which is hopefully towards more of understanding and acceptance and just learning um and of course there's still people out there who are going to be really nervous and uh, and unsure of what this all means um but i think those voices are becoming the minority um just based on my experience alone and so um you know i'm really excited to like to talk to you today i mean i know i'm reaching more people who in your audience who maybe have never heard a transgender person say a word or they don't know it, you know, they don't realize they've met somebody who's trans. Um, and so to, to get the, the story out of, I, I'm just another person just, you know, scratching out a living, doing my best that I can to make a good place of myself in the world. And um, I just happen to have been born a girl and raised as a girl and, and never quite fit into that, um, that gender norm. And, here I am creating and finding my own path, and that's, that's all we can all ask for for ourselves. No, it's great. You're very courageous. Uh, you're doing great work. <laughs> my, my last question for you is, is soccer-related. My daughter plays soccer. I have a 12-year-old. And, you know, on our show, we talk a lot about specialization in sports and these mm-hmm. coaches who say, you know what, if you're going to play baseball, you got to play year-round. If you're going to play basketball, you got to play year-round. If you're going to play soccer, you have to play year-round. Mm-hmm. It's the elite clubs. It's lots of money. Is someone who's involved in youth sports, you know, like when I grew up playing, I played all the sports. I didn't specialize in anything. I just went from one season to the next. It wasn't ridiculously expensive to play. 
I, I look at the state of youth sports now and I go, boy, I'm not sure that I like where it's headed. And when I have elite athletes on this show, they all tell me, Brian, the specialization of sports is bad. People should be playing everything. And then, you know, they're 13 or 14 years old and they're burnt out because they've been playing a year-round sport. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm right in line with all of the elite athletes who said it's bad. I just uh, Monday when we had our big uh, summer camps that we do, I just said to the kids and asked them, "How many of you play other sports?" And I got a lot of hands that went up, and there was a lot of basketball and taekwondo, and and I just said, "That's great, you guys keep doing that. It's going to reduce the injuries you have. You're going to love your sports longer." So I'm plugging all the time for kids to play multiple sports and. And that's actually one layer of our club that I don't talk about very often because there's so many other parts that I want to get in about talking about inclusion and access to sport and all of our opportunity, which is, you know, really what we're about. But the the other sort of subtle layer is we don't require any of these kids to play year-round with us. They, They can play all year if they want. We have programming all year, but we... um encourage kids go play basketball in the wintertime go run track go swim go do whatever you want come back to us when you're ready to play soccer again and um we have a lot of that we have a lot of kids that will come and come and go between soccer and other sports and what i notice when they come back to us from another sport is their soccer skills have improved um and that's not because they're getting more touches on the ball but that's because they're using different muscles their brain is working in a different way you know, working out a different problem in a different sport. Um, and I was the same as you, Brian. I, I played multiple sports all through up through high school. I was a four-sport athlete from the age of, like, 8 to 18, basically. And I couldn't choose. I didn't want to choose. I loved them all. They all worked for me in a certain way. And I just happened to get into coaching when I was really young at about 15 with coaching soccer. And that's kind of how I ended up where I am today. But yeah, it's a it's kind of a tragedy of what's happened, and um, and we see it in soccer specifically because the drop off rate for kids playing soccer um, because of burnout is really young. It's like thirteen or fourteen, like you said. It's, wow. It's a yeah. It's really unfortunate where they just get there's so much pressure, there's so much um, intensity on them, and a lot of times from parents, and a lot from because my opinion is parents are paying so much money for their kids to play in these um, leagues and clubs that they've got this investment that's beyond just, I love my kid. I want to see them do well. Some parents really get like, Hey, I just spent $5,000 on you to play in this club. You better go show me that it's worth it. Right. <laughs> kind of, you know, kind of mentality, not across the board. Of course, there's parents that certainly don't think that, but I know that there are some parents who get really wrapped up in that. Yeah. No, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Before I let you go, Plug your website one more time. How can people find the good yeah. work that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So PCFC, so that's short for Portland Community Football Club, .co. And when you go on there, there's donate buttons. We can always use more donations since we're doing so much stuff uh, that costs a lot of money, getting free uniforms out to kids, getting cleats out to kids. Um, and then we also always have need for volunteers, um, people who are local in the Portland area, We would love to have you come out and coach, um, but we also have lots of need for non-coaching things, and there's all sorts of information on our volunteer tab about um, non-coaching volunteer positions, marketing, photography, um, fundraising, all sorts of things that we need to uh, make this club uh, be more successful and grow. 
Kate, thank you for the good work you're doing. Uh, very courageous of you uh, to do this, and uh, I appreciate you making the time. I appreciate the opportunity, Brian. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business